Welcome to Little Things, your weekly friend meet cute with me, Coastly Cummings. It's cozy time. Miranda Anderson is the founder of Live Free Creative Company, whose mission is to provide tools for women to live a creative, adventurous, and intentional lifestyle. Live Free Creative started as a small lifestyle blog in 2007 and has since grown into a vibrant community who share a love of creative projects, relatable stories, and practical minimalism. Miranda hosts the Live Free Creative weekly podcast, hosts Live Free Creative Camp, and wrote More Than Enough, How One Family Cultivated a More Abundant Life Through a Year of Practical Minimalism. Thanks so much for being here on the show, Miranda. I'm so happy to be here. I'm sure we could talk about a hundred different things for hours. <laughs> yes. Um, but I want to jump into a topic that you actually touched on recently on your podcast, Live Free Creative, and it's mothering the mothers. I just loved that and would love to hear more about what you, what it means to you to mother yourself. Yeah. So I, I had the, the first time I thought about this idea was a couple of years ago when I took myself to a, um, to a, I guess like a maternal health doctor, um, because I had some health issues stemming from my most recent pregnancy, which was seven years ago, because my daughter is seven, uh, she'll be eight this year. And I remember being in the office and talking to this doctor about some of the lasting impacts of um, and I think we'll talk more about this a little bit later in the interview, but about my, about my health and as it related specifically to my pregnancies and thinking if I hadn't come, like it took a lot of coercion from my husband to say, let's like go figure this out. Or, you know, like here, you don't have to just deal with this. Like you can, you can go see a doctor and we had insurance. It wasn't even like there was a reason that I was putting myself, uh, so far down on the list of things that needed to be taken care of. And, uh, and I had this very clear thought that like, if I was a 10 year old or a 12 year old and I was having consistent pain, my mom would have taken me to the doctor. She would have taken me in and she would have figured out what was going on. And she would have done everything that she could have done to make sure that I was taken care of and that I had all of the answers that I could have. And she would have done it lovingly and she would have done it without feeling like it was taking away from her schedule and um, that like that it wouldn't have been a nuisance. It would have been a way for her to honor me because of how much she loves me. And I, I started to think of how, you know, we, we grow up as kids and, and we're so good at being taken care of and then as women, we, you know, some of us turn into mothers and it's like the, the switch flips where we go from being taken care of to only being taking to only being the caretakers. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, it's like we eliminate ourselves from the equation. And I really felt strongly that the message needed to be, be spoken, that the mother's need to mother ourselves, that we need to take care of ourselves as well as we take care of our children. And I think that it it can be said a lot of different ways, but I really had the question, like, who is the mother of the mothers? And if it's not us, 
I don't, I don't think there's anyone else. Like, I think that unfortunately, I don't think it's the government or our husbands or our friends who are responsible for it. Like, like we need to step up and advocate for ourselves that way. Um, and I think there's a lot of different ways that we can do that. Mm, I love that you were used the word advocate because I think it is, and I think as, as I've gotten older, maybe you've experienced this too, but you really learn to advocate for yourself and just naturally maturing and saying, if I need something, if I want something, it's not someone else's job to, to decipher that. Like I have to be able to communicate what it is I want and I need and to move forward with whatever that is. Like, you know, you mentioned your husband encourage you to like, you know, take the next step, you know, you're having this pain, what's the next step? You should advocate for yourself, but it is true. Like only we can speak about our own pain or health conditions or how tired we are. I know you mentioned that in that recent episode, you know, you talk a lot about sleep and food. This is in, let's see, which episode is this Miranda? Uh, so I recently one, re-aired, is it 135? I put one, yeah, 134, 135. You, you focused on sleep, food, and healing ourselves from injury, injury or trauma in episode 134 of the podcast. And I just wanted to, sh- yeah, I'm also really passionate about food and sleep. <laughs> um, and I've just realized for my mental health and just like physical stamina, like I have to have eight hours of sleep every night. And that's something I really prioritize unless I'm <laughs> like this weekend, really excited about a specific Korean drama and like willing to stay up a little bit later to watch it. But um, but I loved in this episode how, and you've kind of mentioned this already, you talked about, you know, how you heal yourselves and how, how we heal ourselves and how this relates to us recovering physically from pregnancy and childbirth. And I know in other countries, some are better than America at like making uh, postpartum care of women more of a priority in evaluating a woman's like pelvic floor and hips and um, abdominal muscles and uh, mental health like a little bit better about evaluating that after the baby because of course it's like you know getting pregnant carrying the baby delivering the baby then early nor- newborn care but there's you know there's there's a journey afterwards for sure and Um, I really related to this experience you shared and thank you so much for sharing it about, you know, the back pain that you experienced and the pain and discomfort you had even years after having your last baby, I had something um, similar. Is there something more you can tell us about that experience of, of seeing a pelvic floor therapist and, and what it was like advocating for your own uh, health? Yeah, well, it was really interesting. So I, um, I am a nurse by training and I'm, I'm still actually licensed as a registered nurse, which seems like so bizarre. And I actually just got a new job recently as a nurse for the first time in six years. And I'm going to be doing COVID vaccinations, which I'm super excited about, but it That's almost great. feels like stepping into the past. Cause I'm like, wait, I haven't worked as a nurse for so long. But so, I mean, I, being part of the healthcare industry, I, I, I feel like I was better prepared than a lot of women going into pregnancy and childbirth. I was like very, I had witnessed as as nursing student, I had witnessed several vaginal deliveries. I had witnessed a C-section in the operating room. I was like really familiar with the anatomy and and with the processes. And a lot of these things are things that most people don't learn anything about 
even when they're pregnant, they don't know exactly what's happening or how, how it's all going to work. You know, you know, you the basics, but I, I feel like I was very well informed and it was really interesting then to, even with all of that education, with all of the experience, with sort of what I thought was just like a really clear understanding of all the things that I could possibly go through and experience and, and how that could all go to have these three very different pregnancies, very different deliveries. And, um, and after my last one, I mean, I don't, I probably had lots of different things that I brushed aside in between each of my pregnancies as well, but I knew I was going to have more babies. And so it's like, there's kind of an element of like, ah, there's not really a whole lot I can do. Cause I'm just going to get <laughs> pregnant again. But yeah. after my last baby and I knew that I didn't want any more kids. And so I was kind of like, okay, I'm, I want to like get, you know, make sure that I'm feeling fit and feeling ready for like the future. And, you know, I, I, it's just like a different chapter. It's kind of nice to like close the growing babies chapter and move on to like the raising babies chapter. And one of the things that stayed with me through the, you know, the years was this persistent lower back pain. And I was like, I'm a runner. I'm fairly active. I like to hike. I like to rock climb. And it was like causing problems in my daily life where I would like, if I stood too long, I couldn't like I would have to crouch down. Sometimes I'd be standing in line at the grocery store and have to like crouch down, like do this weird, like squat <laughs> just because I needed to relieve the pressure in my lower back. It hurts so bad. And I was taking ibuprofen regularly just for inflammation, like pain control. Maybe that would help. And I talked to my doctor when Plum was about a year old and she she said, well, it's because you have this extreme diastasis recti. And so your core isn't strong anymore. And so the only thing you can do, the only way you feel it is this major surgery where they like, it's like slicing open your whole abdomen basically. And like sewing you together with this mesh, you know, girder. And it was like this, this massive traumatic surgery, which by the way, is not covered by insurance in any way. It's like a 40 or $50,000 procedure not covered by insurance because it's not deemed medically necessary. And, um, and like, you know, 60, 70, 80% of women postpartum have some amount of diastasis recti. And I did the, I did a couple like programs, like online belly strengthening programs and stuff that were specific for postpartum. And I felt like, Oh, well, okay. I've like kind of done these programs. Maybe I'm feeling okay, but the back pain did not go away. Finally, we're talking six years after after my, you know, daughter was born, I, upon the convincing of my husband went to this clinic to a maternal health specialist and they did a lot of like evaluations. And, um, I remember just sitting and crying in my first appointment because they were explaining how bad my, my muscle, my muscles were so weak and I had this huge gap and, you know, and I just felt like, how could this not, like, how could I have gone this long? How, where, where are the dozens of people that should have in a, in a postpartum world shown up to give me help and to suggest alternatives and to, to suggest, um, therapies and like, there's gotta be ways to fix this. Why didn't anyone help? And the United States is close to the bottom of the list of postpartum care and maternal health. 
and in especially in developed countries that there's really they send you home basically with gaping open you know your entire uterus is just a gaping open wound and they kind of say like okay take care of that baby and i thought i mean there's just there's there's a lot wrong with it and the more that we know about how to take care of ourselves the better you know but i think every one who's seen a, who has had a baby should see a maternal health public uh, pelvic floor specialist. We did, I did about six months of therapy with them and muscle strengthening exercises and things at home. And after six months, my core was a lot stronger. My gap had closed, but my back pain was still pretty persistent. And so they referred me to a chiropractor and I did, I've done now another, before COVID, I was going twice a week for like six to eight months. And, um, and it, again, like the, that my, because my insurance here is really good. I was paying just like visit costs. So it's like $40 a visit, but over, you know, a year and a half, it's been thousands of dollars, you know, maybe $2,000 or something, which feels like a big expense, but also like such a necessary investment in my health. And I'm so thrilled with the results because the pelvic floor specialists combined with the chiropractor visits have almost completely eliminated my back pain. And I don't, I mean, very occasionally I'll be like, Oh, I, you know, I need to go get that taken care of. But, um, but it, I was convinced that I was going to be a 30 year old with lower back pain for the rest of my life Mm -hmm. and deciding to actually take it into my own hands and say, I deserve to be, I deserve to heal. I deserve even years later to to take the time and pay the expense necessary to take care of myself. Um, felt like a, a, an important step for me. And I, and I think that in doing that, and then also sharing about it on my show, um, a lot of women have said, I didn't even know that was a thing, or I didn't know that all of these problems that I've had could be related to childbirth. And I need to go see someone, or I need to talk to someone because I also, we sort of just give in. I mean, I've had doctors say, oh, that's just the way that it is after you have a baby. And I'm like, well, I don't want it to be the way that it is. Like, let's take care of it, you know? Yeah. Oh, so interesting. I resonate with so much that you're sharing. I really do. So after my second, I had a lot of lingering pain like it was kind of difficult to to sit and that's weird even thinking about it honestly it just feel it feels it still feels a little emotional because I felt similarly like how how am I you know am I just weird am I just the only woman who now I'm just in pain all the time and I can't say anything about it is this just like how it's going to be and I'm like 28 Um, but then I finally, it got to a point where, yeah, it was just too much pain. Um, and so emotional that I, I started Googling, thank goodness for Google. And I found an interview that Oprah had done with, at the time, this was in 2013, she had done with a pelvic floor therapist, um, a female, uh, pelvic floor therapist. And I can't remember her name, but she ended up being based in Brooklyn, New York, where I was living. So through this like Google search, I found this woman's office. I was totally scared. I had no idea what I was doing. And I like called and was like, I think I need to come in. I don't, I don't really know. I mean, I was just so like 
embarrassed, which I shouldn't have been, but I felt so embarrassed. Like, I don't know where this pain is coming from. I had a baby. I should be fine. I'm young, relatively healthy, ended up going in and ended up being, you know, I would take a train for about an hour to get there. And I would read Brene Brown on the way on my Kindle, um, the gift of imperfection. And that, that experience of, of going to the pelvic floor therapist when, you know, my baby was, he was only like three months old, um, every morning at 6am and reading Brittany Brown on the way and then going and having this tender woman who I never knew, you know, um, like help give me physical therapy, like in a very intimate way. I don't think people really talk about what pelvic floor therapy really is, but if we can talk about that a little bit, I wasn't I, I kind of knew it would be like that, but I didn't totally. And, but ended up being kind of like, um, it felt like actual therapy to me too. It was physical pelvic floor therapy, but also felt like therapy because we would talk while she, you know, they literally put on a glove and they're trained and they like evaluate your whole body and your posture, um, and your Kegel strength. So they actually put on a glove and they'll put their fingers inside of your vagina and feel around and feel like tense muscles and see where there's tenderness and, tension and she would just talk to me and talk about what she felt and you know how I was reacting and it was a really beautiful experience and um and then she would give me exercises to do at home and tools to do those with and it was yeah it was just a really it was a very empowering experience for me because I think it was the first time I really had to advocate for myself in that way, in such an intimate way of my body. You know, I think as women, like that's a very taboo place on our body, but we hold a lot of, of emotion there. And, and I don't want to say the word power, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's a very important uh, center of a woman. And so I think going and having her be by my side and like coach me through this healing process was really, um, really amazing. And then I ended up having two more kids over the years and kind of knew this was something that would be ongoing if I had more kids. Um, And then we moved to the Bay Area and it was a little more, and the years went on, I think it became more people started hearing about it. Um, I heard, had heard a few like podcast episodes, like longest, shortest time. Do you remember that podcast? They did like a series where they had women on talking about um, having babies and then having pain, uh, pain with sex after having babies or, you know, like leaking urine or just having back pain or like different issues and that people never really talk about. It's very hush hush. And so I think it started coming out, but living in the Beria, there were, I I ended up going to this like eccentric Pilates instructors, um, (laughs) kind of like backyard cottage. And there was like hundreds of succulents. And then we go in this back room and it has pink carpet. And there's just like me and three other women about my age and we just would do like stretches together it was like just centered on strengthening because I also had diastasis recti like two fingers two and a half fingers so we do these stretches together with these foam rollers and she would kind of talk to us in a soothing voice <laughs> it was very Berkeley it was like earth mama <laughs> but I, I like loved it and it helped a lot I mean strengthening you know the separation of your abdominal muscles I had back pain too pretty severe and that really helped but I think it's just, it was it's been such a journey like <laughs> a lot of googling myself and then trying to talk to people that I know and having them look at me like they're confused because they don't know what I'm talking about and then me explaining what pelvic floor therapy is and they're like <laughs> But then, uh, and then other women being like, 
huh, you know, okay, so what is this? You know, asking more questions. And then it's like, then me getting an email later saying, hey, I'm so glad you talked about that. Like I've been having, you know, these issues and I talked to my husband, but he doesn't know. And, you know, it's just interesting. And I, and I just, like you, I, it was hard not to feel alone. Like how, how am I surrounded by other mothers and women who have, are aging and gone through these same processes? How, how did no one tell me this or, or ask me this? And I don't want to blame anyone, but it didn't feel like, how do we, how do none of us know about this, but we're all, many of us are going through this, or at least should be evaluated to make sure we're healthy. Right. Well, that's, what's so interesting. And I feel like there there's, it's not like, I mean, this is one of the many women issues that is just not discussed. It's not research. It's not well-researched. It's not, it's not talked about even the idea that you go home from the hospital after having a baby without a really specific plan of care for the mom. You know, we, we had home visits. I had my first baby in New Hampshire and um, there was a nurse that came to our house every couple of days for like a couple of weeks after he was born to like help with breastfeeding and make sure the baby was growing and like that he was okay. But where was the, the nurse coming to the house to make sure that I was okay and doing evaluations on me and checking up to see like, oh, do you have diastasis recti or no, we should get you in for, you know, it should just be, it should be part of the ongoing plan of care postpartum for like that fourth trimester that we talk about for the baby. That should be also for the mom to, to, everyone should go see a, a pelvic floor specialist. Everyone should be doing, I mean, we talk about doing our Kegels like it's kind of a joke, you know, like, I feel like people, yeah. people like know what that is, but like, do you even know what the, your pelvic floor consists of or what muscles interact and interplay? And, um, it was really interesting at my first appointment kind of evaluation with this maternal health specialist to do my pelvic floor, uh, rehab when she, you know, gloved up and, and told me to squeeze and I started squeezing and she was like, you can start squeezing. And I'm thinking like, oh, I'm like, I'm squeezing. Like I'm doing what I think is like contracting these muscles. And she's like, cannot feel that I'm even doing anything. And I'm like, oh, it's such a bummer. There's (laughs) such a disconnect here because I think that I'm doing something here, you know? And, um, it's just so interesting that we, it took, it took me like two months to learn how to contract my pelvic floor muscles again. I couldn't even separate them from my abdominal muscles. Like I, I couldn't distinguish how to even activate, like the nerves in those muscles yeah. were not innervating co- like correctly. I, I couldn't make my brain connect at, until we had done, you know, like several sessions of practicing separating the different levels of, of muscle and how to, how to use them differently, you know? And like, it it is like a little bit embarrassing, a little bit humiliating, a little bit, you know, very vulnerable, of course. Um, And also I felt the same way that you did just very like cared for by this woman who I had, who I had trusted and, um, and the office that was, really just set up to, to help women of all ages, you know, reconnect to the, to their bodies and, and heal properly. But it is a, it's such an interesting, it's such an interesting mystery that really shouldn't be a mystery at all, you know? 
it really shouldn't. <laughs> it's such a mystery. Um, Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Well, and a lot of, one other thing that I think is interesting is that a lot of this work is ongoing, you know, sleep and nutrition and even healing in this way, particularly like my thought back when my very first doctor said, you're just going to need this surgery and that will fix it. Like once you decide, but then the, the pelvic floor specialist was explaining that like, even if you decide to have that major surgery, that doesn't mean that you've helped your muscles at all. That just, I mean, it reconnects your abdominals, but it doesn't strengthen the muscles. It doesn't, it doesn't help with any of the functionality. And, um, and what does help is consistency over time doing these, the simple exercises that they gave to me. And I, I think we all want a magic bullet. We all want Mm -hmm the easy thing that's just going to fix everything forever. Right. right? Like Kegels. And Kegels will fix like everything. Keg- right, Miranda? <laughs> <laughs> or if I can do my Kegels 20 times once, and then I just have like super strong pelvic floor forever, you know, like we want to just fix it. And the truth is that most of the things that make a true real difference in our lives are things that are, that we do with consistency over time, like sleeping. You can't, you can't sleep you know, for 10 hours one night and then two hours the rest of the week and think, well, I'll just make up for it on the weekend. Or the same thing with our nutrition. We can't like eat, you know, one good meal and then skip the rest of our meals or, or binge the rest of our meals and think, well, it'll, you know, I'll get back to that. Like it, unfortunately for us, it's the, it's the small consistent habits of caring for ourselves and mothering ourselves that really are what make a difference over time. It's these little drops in the bucket that fill us up, that keep us healthy, that, that help us then attend to others in the way that we'd like to, because we have the energy and the capacity because we've been taking care of ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love I love that you brought in that, that consistent, those consistent habits and like rechecking in with ourselves and asking ourselves like, how are you doing? Are you really tired? Are you hungry? I feel like half the time I'm just hungry. (laughs) I have hypoglycemia. And if I'm starting to feel like everything's too much and getting impatient or grumpy, I'm like, oh, I probably just need something. I'm often hangry um, if I don't eat, get enough protein. So it's like, I'm either tired or hungry. I'm like a little child. We're all like little kids. When little kids are tired or hungry or cold or too hot, like you got to like take care of those basics. And it's easy to forget when you're the actual caregiver, you know, you're caring for everyone else and you kind of forget about what you need. Um, Is there anything else that you would say that, you know, from, and you've kind of brought up a lot of really practical things that we can do, but how we can mother ourselves day to day, how we I think you phrased it to bring ourselves home to ourselves, which I really, I really love because I do feel like when we advocate for our own health and heal it, you do feel more at home with your body and present in your body. And that's really can increase the quality of your life day to day, but how would we better mother ourselves? Well, I think that beyond like the very basics, like if we're talking about the hierarchy of needs, right, we have like our very basic things, like like food and shelter and sleep. And, um, and then we get further and further up the list. And, um, I think that 
something that feels motherly to me that feels really like caring for myself is giving myself the space to say, what do I need right now? And, and allowing whatever my answer is to be okay, whether it's time by myself, whether it's time with a friend, whether it's reading on the couch, even if the dishes aren't done. And even if the laundry isn't done, and even if the toys aren't put away, if I need to, you know, take a break or have a rest or, um, or go do something fun, like skip school and take the kids out on a hike and, you know, collect leaves or chase butterflies. Like I think, uh, asking myself what I need and then honoring that and not dismissing it and not saying, well, you haven't earned that or, you know, um, I also, it's kind of, I don't know, maybe silly, but I really like to truly consider like, what, what do I, what are the things that I really love? What really lights me up? And then finding a way to make space for that in my regular life, not as like a special occasion. Once every six months, I go on a picnic or I take time to sew or to make something with my hands, but like building into my schedule, things that feel like fun to me, feel things that feel like me to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did a podcast episode at the very, you know, a couple of years ago, I think it's episode 19. That's been one of the most popular episodes on my show that's called wholeness in motherhood. And Mm -hmm. I talk about the idea of how we're born. I mean, all of this, I feel like these two kind of themes go, go hand in hand that like, when we think about ourselves as kids and then compare that to the way we feel about ourselves as adults and as mothers, particularly there's this kind of disconnect because I think of myself as a child, as this whole person, this whole circle. And within that circle was like, the, you know, unicorns and rainbows and hikes in Southern Utah and sunshine and painting my fingernails to match my outfit. And like all the things that I loved, you know, like just, and everything that I wanted to do and that I loved and that felt good to me just all got to fit. And then a lot of us, when we become moms, our kids take over our whole circle. And so when we think about what we need to do or what we should be doing, it's like we divide up our time, but we don't divide up and leave room for ourselves and all of those different pieces of ourselves. We maybe give ourselves a tiny sliver, but then the rest of it goes to taking care of household tasks, taking care of homework tasks, taking care of, I mean, the, the amount of stuff that, that women manage and especially that mothers manage is just like, it's just huge. Like the amount of things that we manage that are, that have nothing to do with our own individualized self, if that makes sense. Yeah. And just realizing that like, that doesn't like, we still get to be whole people separate from our kids. We get to be whole entire people separate from our spouses, separate from our jobs, separate, separate from all of the identities that try to creep in, uh, and take over completely. And there's something really empowering to me about recognizing all of me, all of myself, and allowing my kids to also see all of me. And I think that that teaches them to be whole people as they become adults, to not sacrifice pieces of themselves as they grow up as well. And I, I often think, you know, when I'm going to work or if I'm going to a conference or if I'm planning something, or if I'm like kicking back and reading on the couch, which is actually one of my new favorite luxuries, I think COVID gave me the permission that I needed to just read anytime. I used to always read at night. I love reading. I read a lot. 
And I, but I used to save it for night. Like that's what I do as I wind down to go to bed. And now I'm like <laughs> 2 30 in the afternoon time to read my book. Like I just, I want to read all day long and I, and I do, and I love it. And it feels like a little bit like off limits, which is so dumb. But like, I realized that I want my kids to feel like they can do the things that they love in their life, that they aren't like always waiting. Yeah. That they can, you know, I mean, not like it's a big deal to read a book in the middle of the day, but like 10 years ago, I wouldn't have. I yeah. would have said, oh, there's too many other things, important things that I should be doing right now that I yeah. should be doing. Yeah, right should. Now. It's always the should. It's always I the should, should right? Yeah, it's hard. It's hard not to feel. I mean, I think you're a fun person. So maybe you're easier at the, you're, you're better at this. But like, I find myself having to like check myself, be like, be fun, like be fun. Like, and I, sometimes I think I'm fun, <laughs> but then I get too serious and like caught in up in things and stressed about the little things. And I'm like, what are we doing any of this for? If we're not having fun and enjoying, you know, it, it, I mean, it's ever, it's just like a really common quote, but like life is in the details. Right? It's like every day is your actual life. It's not, you're not, you can wait for things, but it's actually just what's happening right now is your life. I'm trying to have more fun because I'm like, these are the memories we're making now. This is what my kids are going to remember now. This is what I should have today. The life that I want, not like be like, Oh, when, they're, you know, this old, it'll be better. It's like when they're that old, I'll be wish, you know, missing and reminiscing about them being little and thinking how lovely that was and forgetting that it was so hard, you know, just trying to enjoy and incorporate more joy. And, and like you said, the things that you already love into your normal life, like letting your kids see that. And yeah, I don't, I don't want to be older and have my kids and feel resentful towards my kids because I think that I gave too much, mm -hmm. even though they never asked for that. They never, they, they don't ask for, they just ask for, ask for the basics, but they don't, that's, that's unfair to our children to assume that they really want, that, that we need to give more than we can because later we'll just resent it. I don't know. I, I, I like that perspective of being like, no, it, they're relying on you to give what you can thoughtfully and fully and wholly and they don't want you to hold anything over them later like that is not healthy <laughs> so do what you need to do so that you are going to be happy with what you gave and what you took I mean it's hard in the moment you're like not and some days are you know harder than others but I like to think of that like no this is a gift for all the people around me when I take care of myself I'm more myself I'm in my body I'm I'm feeling myself, you know, like, you know, you know yeah. that when you're like doing the things you love and you feel creative and you're making things and, um, spending time, how you want to, you feel you're your best version of yourself. And that's like a gift for everyone around you. Everyone around yeah. you should be like, please do it. <laughs> like well, they you don't know want you to mope and be a martyr. They want totally. you to take care of yourself. Well, you know, I had the, a really interesting experience with my kids. Uh, a while ago I feel like time I used to like have a gauge on time like I could say six months ago and it could be reliably six months ago but like with COVID I feel like it could be six months ago or it could be like seven years ago and I have no idea because time is just like all in a vacuum now but at some point in the last seven years I had a conversation with my kids in the car <laughs> it must have been fairly recent because my oldest is now 11 and he's a little bit more he's he's always been very thoughtful and very socially aware emotionally and um but as he's getting older, I feel like we're having more very real conversations. Like I can talk to him like I would an adult and he 
he gets it and he yeah. he's interested that way, you know? And um, we were driving along, going on some errands or something. And he said, we, we got on the, a subject of like, what are your big dreams for your life? Like, what are the things that you want to do in your life? And so we went around and, I, and my kids were telling me all these big dreams and all these ideas. And, and then my 11 year old said, mom, what are your big dreams? What do you want to do in life? And I was like, you know, I want to write a book. And they're like, no, you can't say that. You already did that. You can't say that. That's not fair. And I was like, but I did. Like, I, I, I do. I did. And I'm like, I, I did do that. And it, it's one of my big dreams. I'm so glad that I did, you know, and, and I want to have three healthy children. And they were like, no, you can't do, you know, <laughs> I'm like, I want to, I want to, ride my bike to the store. No, you do that all the time, you know? And I was just, I kind of loved the opportunity to like, and I wasn't being facetious. I was, I was like, I am so glad. It was like this moment of reflection for me that like, I'm so glad that I really am living my dreams. Like I'm doing the life that I want and I haven't put anything on hold. I mean, I, I'm like, I'm trying to do it, do all the things that I love and really not worry about the things that I don't want to do. And who cares, you know, yeah. and, um, be actively working on things, you know, and my, and I love that my kids see that, like they see me doing the things that I want to do and that they're part of it. And that there's also a whole lot of things that I do that they're not part of, but they are the reason behind so much of it, you know, and, like they, I love that they're like my little cheerleaders They're When I go away for like a conference or to host a retreat or something, I come home and they're just like, tell us all about it. We can't wait to hear how it went. You know, what's, what was your favorite part? You know? And they're, I'm like, this is so healthy and so fun that they yeah. are not like, no, your whole life should be me, you know, but that they're like, how was it? How was your experience with your friends? And you know, like that's what, that's my kids growing into thoughtful adults, which is what they're eventually going to be, yeah. you know, not thinking the entire world revolves around them all the time. And I think just one small, I mean, it's a, it's an intentional piece that my husband and I have played in, in saying like, we love you so much. And part of that love is us loving us. We love us too. I love yeah. me too. Yeah. You know, you got to take care of team. We call it team A. So team A is my husband. So it's like team A, team B. We come together and we're a really strong team, but team A's got to be good. <laughs> team yeah. A's, you know, team. And then I guess I could break down team A, team B, you know, like team 1A, A1, team, 1A. team A2. <laughs> yeah. well, well, then it comes together and then it branches out to the kids, but you got to well, start the roots. Make sure I, it was list. There's a new, um, do you ever listen to Armchair Expert with Dax yes. Shepard? Yes. I, love Dax and Monica yeah. like they're <laughs> so fun to listen I mean, to I loved him in Parenthood but him as yes. a podcast so good and then they just I don't know if you saw that they they're supporting now under the armchair umbrella they have this new show called Nurture versus Nurture which is a child psychologist that they interviewed and like have fallen in love with and she's doing her own show which you can subscribe for. I don't think it's actually technically released yet, but they've been airing some of her episodes on armchair in like to kind of promote it because this is like the new venture that they're doing. And um, it's fascinating. It's really fun. It's this, this parent, this kind of family psychologist doing live sessions, but you know, they have to like do the disclaimer. It's not technically therapy, blah, blah, blah. But it's like listening to a, a family, like a chat, like a parenthood psychologist 
anyway, one of the things that she said in the most recent episode that I listened to that I've heard before and I believe it. And it was just like a good reminder again, that whether we like it or not, one of the highest measures of success in children as they grow is the relationship that their parents have, not the relationship that the parents have with the kids, but the relationship that the husband and wife or wife and wife or husband and husband have in the home is one of the highest predictors of happiness and security and success in the lives of the children. Oh. I don't know. I'm guessing that you agree. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but one of the ways that I can ensure a really healthy, strong relationship with my husband is by having a very clear, strong, healthy relationship with myself first. I cannot show up in my relationship with my husband if I'm not good with me, if I'm not taking care of me, because that I feel like I'm more likely to be resentful with my spouse than I am with my kids. Like I'm more likely to feel like, well, if he was helping more to take care of the kids, then I could go do the things that I want to do. Not like, oh, I have these kids, you know, but it's more like, how do we show up together to like make room for each other? And so as I advocate for myself in my relationship, not only with my kids, but with my partner and I, and I'm lucky that not, I mean, Dave and I have our ups and downs like every couple. And we also have been really lucky to just be a really good fit for each other. So like he's, he's wonderful. And that is so much like managing that relationship and the ongoing work of a marriage is so much easier for me when I am taking care of myself. Absolutely. And I feel like if that's the number one predictor of success with my kids for me to just be great with me so that I can be great with Dave. And that in turn, we can, we can both be great with team B. Yeah. Like, you know, let's go. There you I go. Do that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. I can't wait to check out that podcast. That sounds amazing. Any yeah, podcast really where great. it feels like you're eavesdropping on some type of extreme expert in a specific area, like, especially with like psychology or therapy or, you know, I'm like, so into that. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, it's so it. good to be a fly on the wall. You're like, yeah, just, this what like, happens in, cause I've never done family therapy, you know, I'm like, oh, this is what happens when like in relationship counseling. Like, this is fascinating. It, yeah, absolutely. Like you, it, you've, if someone's dedicated, you know, their entire life to researching, relationships, interrelationships and marriages and parenting. I'm like, please don't, I just need to listen. Just want to listen, boil it down for me. Oh, I've loved our conversation so much, Miranda. Thank you so much for being on the show. You're welcome. It's so fun to talk to you. I just love you. And I love listening to your show. So I'm so glad that it's back. Yeah, I I missed it. (laughs) Oh, thanks. It's good to be back. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Little Things. Don't forget to hit subscribe so you can hear about all the new episodes. And if you want to follow along a little more, hop on Instagram and follow me at Coastally Cummings. And you can also subscribe to my newsletter at coastally.substack.com.